Luke 11, 1. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if he if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Verse 1 is what I want to focus on just for a few minutes. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now the prayer that constitutes verses 2 through 4, most of us were raised hearing this referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And historically, that's what it was called, the Lord's Prayer. Then it wasn't, it doesn't seem like it was just a few years ago, somebody came along and said, well, actually, you know, it's not the Lord's Prayer, it's the disciples' prayer, because he was telling them what to pray, he wasn't praying it. And so maybe we shouldn't call it the Lord's Prayer, we should call it the disciples' prayer. Uh, I personally am fine with calling it the Lord's Prayer, and that's probably what I'll always call it because it is the prayer that he, uh, at least as a, a form, he gave and ordained and commanded, and so I, I don't see any reason why it can't be considered his prayer. Um, and, and I do believe that many of the petitions here, obviously he never had to pray for the forgiveness of sins, but his own prayers followed and fell into this pattern that's here as do, I think, all biblical prayers. Um, but I do want to point out from verse 1 what I believe everybody could agree in, uh, agree on would be the legitimate disciple's prayer. A true disciple's prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. And they even add that qualifier, as John taught his disciples. The implication is we are your disciples, and you should teach us how to pray. John, he had his disciples. He taught them. We're, we're following you. It's your job to teach us to pray. And so the true disciple should be willing to pray this prayer. The, the assumption that they make is that it's the job of the disciple maker to teach the disciples how to pray. Um, 
So I wonder if you've ever prayed this prayer, Lord, teach us to pray, or Lord, teach me to pray. I think that that should be a prayer that we pray. We see it here, and and as I'll point out in a few minutes, I think the Lord adds his blessing to it. Uh, And there are many things that we could draw out from just these five words. Uh, for, For this evening, I just want to point out two. The first is the one that's being addressed And secondly, the one simple request. So it rhymes, the one being addressed and the one simple request. The first, the one being addressed, Lord, teach us to pray. They refer to him as Lord, which, as you know, means master or ruler or owner. That that title denotes authority. This, This word kurios, Lord, is the term that was used when translating the name of God from Hebrew to Greek in the Old Testament, they use the word kurios. And so for them to refer to him as kurios was uh, ascribing deity to him. And it is throughout Scripture the title given to God which denotes his sovereignty and his authority when they call him Lord. Now when it comes to prayer, there is one and only one authority in prayer. The one helpfully and ironically, the one who commands us to pray, the one who either accepts or condemns our prayers, the one who uh, answers our prayers either positively or negatively, that is also the same one who, uh, who is the one and only authority in the subject of prayer. And that's this, this Lord, this God. Now to call Christ Lord is to indicate that you are in subjection to his lordship. In Luke 6, 46, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? He's assuming if I'm your Lord and I tell you to do something, you do it. And if if we call him Lord, if he gives instruction, we follow it. That's how that relationship works. To call Christ Lord means to say he's our master, he's our ruler, he's our owner. It means he has authority over us. So, If the one who commands us to pray and either accepts or condemns our prayers, answers our prayers positively or negatively, is also the one and only authority on the subject of prayer, if that that one is also our personal Lord, the one that we're not just saying he is a Lord, but he's our, our Lord, our master, our commander, our ruler, our owner, if he's our Lord, if we would address him as Lord, uh... This prayer that they pray should not be strange to us. We, we wouldn't say Christ is a Lord to somebody. And now I'm going to go to another authority to teach me to pray. No, he, he's the Lord of prayer and he's my Lord, so I'll go to him. And that's why I think it's important to, to sit and to at least answer in your own heart. Have I ever prayed this prayer, Lord, teach me to pray? And I think it says a lot about you. If you've never prayed that prayer, or if you have prayed that prayer, it it speaks volumes um, to Christ's lordship with regard to prayer. Um, It does seem to me that a disciple would seek to be taught by his or her teacher, especially when that teacher is the supreme authority on the subject in question. You think of a a young person who goes off to a a university to study a particular subject, and, and they have as their professor the leading uh, uh, authority on that particular subject that they're studying. They would consider that a great blessing. I want to sit under this teacher. And many 
when they choose a school to go to, they'll choose it based on who they will get to sit under and learn from. Well, if Christ is our Lord and he is the authority of in matters like this in, in the subject of prayer, then we ought to consider it a, a great blessing and make use of that as he teaches us to pray. So that's, that's the one being addressed. And then we have, secondly, one simple request. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. The word teach means just that, to instruct. Show us how. Give us lessons on prayer. Now this request to be taught seems to flow naturally from the title Lord, because if we are speaking to an authority, calling him Lord, well, the assumption is that we realize that we are uh, inferior. If he's the superior, then we are the, the inferiors. And if we are inferior, well, that implies that we understand that there's room for advancement for us. There's room for us to grow, to move forward. Here, the specific subject is prayer. And which of us would say that we have no need for growth in the area of both private and public prayer? I don't think any of us would say, I've got that nailed down. Let's get to something else. Now, most people are quick to admit a quantitative lack of prayer. Very often you talk to people, how's your prayer life? They would say, well, you know, I, I, should, I should pray more in quantity. Um a fewer number are often willing to admit a qualitative lack. I should pray better. I wish my prayers were better. Um, but if there is room for growth, and we would all admit that there's room for advancement and growth in prayer, what we, what we would be saying is uh, it's not so much about time, but it's about quality. I wish I was a better prayer Sometimes we get the idea that because of the mediation of Christ and the great love that he has for us as his praying people, and that's what we talked about last time we were here, we, we take that and we might begin to assume that if that's the case, if he's so enthralled with me and with us, then whatever we bring is acceptable. Just bring something, throw it out, and he's just thrilled to death to get it. Or we, we, we think that maybe we shouldn't be concerned about learning or growth or advancement because of what he's shown us in his word about his desire to have us pray, then he should just be pleased that we come at all and whatever we bring is useful. Um, but it should be the opposite, especially based on what we see in Scripture uh, about prayer. Uh, we should say if he if he loves our praying, that we should strive to be the best prayers that we can be. That, that, should, that should encourage us to grow. Uh, another pitfall I think is common in our day is this idea that because prayer is often seen as just a private, personal uh, duty or discipline, that it's not an area that we grow in. It's just something we do. And, and really, if anybody ever attempts to give a teaching or an instruction or say, hey, you shouldn't pray that way, well, that they've overstepped their bounds. That, that you're out of bounds. Who, who are you to tell me what I can do when I'm praying? Yeah. Um, but that's not what we see in Scripture. 
Paul says that apart from the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 26, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. So we learn there that there is an ought with regard to prayer. And apart from the Spirit of God, we will fall short of the divine ought. If we just sit down with no thought and start mouthing words, we don't know what to pray for. We, we might go, we might sit with our eyes closed and say some things or think some things, but that doesn't mean we've prayed. There, there is a, a divine ought. And here in this passage, the true disciple's prayer is, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, these were Jewish men. It wasn't as, as though they had never prayed in their whole life. Um, but they make this request, and Jesus does not respond by saying, nobody needs to be taught. Just pray. You just close your eyes and start talking. It's just talking to God. Just talk. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, just say whatever you feel like saying. He doesn't say to them, well, you know, John the Baptist is pretty much known as an extremist, and he was a bit legalistic with his disciples. You just do as you see fit. Uh, when they ask, Lord, teach us to pray, he immediately, without hesitation, goes into the teaching. If you're at, and and, and I, I, I've said this before, I tend to think that whenever, whatever happens after we see these scenes of Jesus praying, or usually, I think they're somehow related to what he was just praying. To so hear he had been praying, and then they come up and ask about prayer, it, it, it is possible that he was praying for an opportunity to pass this on to his disciples, looking for the occasion to teach them about prayer. This leads me to believe that he thought that their prayer, Lord, teach us to pray, they're, they're bringing this to him, he thought that was a good prayer. He agreed with the sentiment of this prayer. They asked, he answered. How do we know that God agrees with our prayers? If we pray something and he immediately answers it exactly as we have prayed, I think that's a good way to gauge whether or not that was a good prayer. So, uh, four things we learn from this. The Lord does believe that we need to be taught how to pray. Our Lord is ready and willing to teach us to pray. We should not be disturbed by the idea that we need instruction. Again, you read the old writers, and I've even talked to many men, many pastors who've who've talked about in prayer meetings and in and, and, uh, different situations in their church life where they've had to approach men and say, hey, brother, I want to talk to you about your prayers and would have to give them some sort of a, a very gentle rebuke or something. Um, to me, the, the the very thought of that is uh, terrifying. Uh, who, who am I to tell another brother about his prayers? But we shouldn't be disturbed about that idea. And I, I for one, personally... Um, would welcome that type of instruction, I think. I think I would I would desire it. I, I think I would be able to respond appropriately because the Lord here shows us that we ought to be willing to be taught. But the last thing we learn here is we should not be hesitant to come and to ask our Lord to teach us to pray. Don't hesitate to pray. Mm-hmm. We have biblical warrant to assume that he hears, affirms, and answers this Prayer, Lord, teach us to pray.